and Happy New Year. Kids say the darnest things, don't they? But sometimes they're so true, so beautiful, so profound. Happy New Year. Aren't you glad that 2020 is in the rearview mirror? Can I get an amen? Unfortunately, well, we still have masks. But anyhow, I believe that, that God is going to do some amazing things in 2021. I, 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 am, I am actually certain that he is going to be faithful this year. I'm certain that we are going to grow together as family. We're going to grow closer to Jesus. We're going to grow closer to one another. And I believe that his plans and his purposes, if we will walk in them, are going to change us like that video talked about, to become more like Christ. Because that's the goal. That's really why we're here. That's why First Alliance exists. For the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Discipleship, that fancy word that we throw around a lot, means becoming like Christ, becoming a follower, an imitator of Jesus. And I want to become like Jesus for a plethora of reasons, not the least of which is the fact that the world needs Jesus. This world needs more of Jesus. Imagine if every person that called themselves a Christian, a Christ follower, actually behaved like Jesus, thought like Jesus, loved like Jesus, cared like Jesus. And it's my hope and prayer and desire that this year I would become more like Christ and you would become more like Christ. We sang earlier about our God our awesome God, our holy God, and we're going to be talking about that this morning. Because I feel like the, the two most important questions, I often say, the two most important questions in life is, who is God, who is Jesus, and who are you? And how you answer those two questions is remarkably significant. In fact, I think those two questions will draw out your identity, will define who you are, and will impact every person that you encounter. I think often we, we think of God as, as this small little creature. I mean, sure, in our minds we think, oh, God's great and he's, he's mighty. But we sometimes treat him like he's our peer, like he's our little buddy. Or even worse, sometimes we treat him like he owes us something, like, like we are in control and he needs to do what we say. A cosmic genie, if you will. I see this all the time. People say, well, God did this. It's not fair, and this and that, and God should do this, and I, I don't like this part of Scripture, and, and so on. We, we put God in a box. It's been said that God created us in His image, and we return the favor. And so I pray that your God, your vision of God, your understanding of God will be so vast, so magnificent, that the only thing you can do in response is fall to your knees and worship. Thank you, Hayden and the team, for, for leading us in those songs this morning. That, that first song is one I've heard many, many times on the radio, but truthfully, I'm more of a music guy than a lyric guy. And for me, it, it sometimes just takes, it, it takes seeing words on a screen to be able to reflect on who it is that we're really singing about. I sometimes just get lost in the guitar solos and the drum beats and the, the keyboard uh, bed of sounds underneath. But I hope today, 
through the, the songs, through communion that we'll celebrate in a, in a bit, and certainly through God's word, that, that we will have a bigger image, a bigger vision of who God is. And that it will change us. It will transform us. Today we're beginning not only a sermon series, but a, a 40-day campaign with the Christian Missionary Alliance called 40 Days of Prayer. And this is kind of a big deal. Because for the next 40 days, we are going to journey alongside our brothers and sisters all across the country, perhaps all across the world. I'm not sure the extent to which this campaign is going forth. But each week we're going to take a different theme. Every day there are devotionals and prayers that you can pray. If you get the, the FAC focus today, there's links. There's free devotionals you can download adults. There's free devotionals you can download students, youth. There's free devotionals you can download for children as well. So families, you can go home and, and discuss this, unpack this, go through these 40 days together. We're equipping you to disciple your families, to disciple and serve your children, your youth. We're going through this 40 days together. Each Wednesday, instead of my midweek update, there's going to be a, a, a one-hour experience, a prayer experience where you can log in, and it'll be available after the one-hour experience as well if you're not able at noon. But, but there's going to be videos every Wednesday at noon that you can participate, you can pray together, we can do life together as family, and I'm really, really excited about this. Now, maybe you're new around here, and you're like, I don't get the FAC Focus email. How do I do that? Well, you saw that QR code earlier. The other thing you can do, a simple way, is just send me a quick email. My email couldn't be simpler. My name's Kirk, Captain, K-I-R-K, no T, and just send me an email, kirk at factoledo.org, and just say 40 days of prayer, and we'll get you signed up, and you do need to register for some of this stuff. I just, I want you to know. It's all free, uh, but I encourage you to register, to get involved, to, to do this together. I don't know a better way to start the new year than on our knees. I don't know a better way to start the new year than grounded in God's word. And this isn't just you and Jesus. We're doing this together. We're doing this as family together. And I hope and pray that as you get on Zoom prayer on, at 9 o'clock on weekdays, as you interact in your life group, as you just are in conversation with people, you can be like, hey, wasn't that a great theme on Thursday? I was really encouraged. Hey, Friday, the, the scripture passage that we prayed through just, just really spoke to me. And that as family, whether we're online or, or we're in person, that together we can go through this. On our knees, seeking first his kingdom. Today our theme is the holiness of God. And few things will bring you to your knees faster than a true encounter with the holiness of Almighty God. Will you pray with me? Lord, I am so grateful for who you are. Just who you are. If you never did anything for us, you would still be worthy of praise, worthy of our, our lives or devotion just for who you are. You are creator God. You are all-powerful. You are ever-present. You are all-knowing. And perhaps for our sake, your love is unconditional. Lord, I just pray that you would use my words today to expand our vision, expand our imagination to see you for who you really are. 
and to respond accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what word comes to mind when you think of the word holiness? Holiness. Sounds like a churchy word. It's, it's something that's not talked about in, in the general culture. I, I can't remember the last time I heard the word holiness in a sitcom or even in a movie. It's a, it's a deeply profound word. The original Hebrew word, the word is kadosh. Just say that with me. Kadosh. I have a, a good friend. He's a Messianic Jewish rabbi. And I love when he prays and when he reads scripture in Hebrew. And I'll often say, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Holy, holy, holy. That's who our God is. Wayne Grudem defined holiness as the doctrine that God is separated from sin and that he's devoted to seeking his own glory. Holy is, it's consecrated, it's hallowed, sanctified, venerated, revered. It's, it's special. It's set, a, set apart. Some of you at, at Christmas time, maybe you had a gathering, hopefully not too big, uh, but you had a, a gathering or you went to someone's home with a gathering and, and maybe, maybe there were special dishes. You know what I'm talking about, the, the special ones. Maybe they were either special because they're the Christmas dishes or they were special because, well, we just don't use the fancy stuff except for special occasions. You might say that they're they are set apart, they're unique. They're not just everyday things. I get concerned when people treat God like everyday things, like, oh yeah, God, he's, he's my buddy, he's my pal, he's my homeboy, you know, he's just like whatever. Now, we can have a relationship with God and we can have intimacy with God. In fact, we're invited to call our Father, Papa, Daddy, Abba. But let's not forget who it is that we're dealing with. Let's not forget who your Daddy is. He is not just your peer. He is set apart. He is special. He is holy. Listen to our Alliance president, Dr. John Stumbo, say a few words about this. Hello, Alliance family. I'm so glad you've joined us for our 40 days of prayer. Our theme is holiness this week. You're probably aware that we are looking at our statement of faith. And every time I pick that up, I have a sense of this holy task that I've been assigned for us to take a new look at that statement. Recently, I walked into our bedroom at home to grab something in the morning and there my wife with a tear streaming down her face, eyes closed, hands lifted to heaven with the worship music playing and I realized I had just walked into a holy moment and I backed away quietly. In the book of Exodus, on the side of the mountain, Moses is given instruction to take four equal parts of fragrant spices and have a perfumer mix them together because there was to be this holy fragrance that was to be used at the tent of meeting alone. We have the concept of holiness because we have a holy God, pure, undefiled and undefilable. Our God who is utterly pure and completely separate from all that is broken and sinful. This theme of holiness, the whole concept 
of our God being a holy God should draw us into worship, away from the noise of the world, away from the clutter of our minds, away from all that distracts and, and calling us into that mysterious, the beautiful, the sacred, a holy God calls us to himself. Let's enter in. If you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6, and if you have your Bible app, you can find our version notes. They're all right there. You'll see the passage on the screen as well. Those of you online, it'll be on the screen. We're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 6. The prophet Isaiah says, In the, the year that King Uzziah died, the prophet says, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. How do you imagine God? When you close your eyes and pray, or when you keep them open and pray, when you talk to God, what do you think he looks like? What do you envision? What comes to mind? I'm quite sure Isaiah was not able to see God's face. God told Moses, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Now Isaiah was able to see God's glory, his throne. It must have been an awesome sight to behold the majesty, the glory of the Lord. A couple weeks ago we talked about the, the glory of the Lord that, sh that was shining in the stars, in the heavens with the angels. And they sang glory in excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest, the worship and praise of Almighty God. The spectacle that the shepherds saw when they were out tending their sheep was just, it was just a, a sample of God's glory. It says above him, just, just picture this, above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. Have you ever seen a creature with six wings? Most I've ever seen, I think, is two so imagine a creature with six wings. Now, you may say, what in the world is a seraphim? I didn't hear about that this week on, on the news either. It means fiery ones to indicate their burning love. They appear to be human with the addition of these wings, which might be why angels are often depicted kind of like cute little, little babies with wings. You know, we often think, oh, that's, that's what an angel must be like. Isaiah's eyes must have been overwhelmed. The sight of, of the glory of God and the, these seraphim with these six wings. But there was so much more. Verse 3, they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. It's hard to imagine the whole earth filled with anything other than oxygen and coronavirus. <laughs> The whole earth, from sea to shining sea, that every place on the planet, from the North Pole to Antarctica, would be covered with the glory of the Lord. The repetition may very well be a reference to the Trinity. Holy, holy, holy. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. At the sound 
of their voices. The doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Now, this was a scene unlike any New Year's Eve celebration. I mean, this was a true multimedia extravaganza. There's sights, and there's sounds, and there's smoke, and and things are shaking. It's just God. He is holy. His glory, His presence is that profound. And family, sometimes I wish that the glory of the Lord would just come into this place and fill it and rock this place. But as I've said before, this building is really nothing sacred. It's nothing special. It's walls. It's a ceiling. I'm so grateful for it. But he inhabits the praises of his people, as we sang earlier. That we are his temple, as we talked about last Sunday. And when his glory comes and fills us, when his Holy Spirit is present, the most spectacular things can begin to emerge. People are healed, they're encouraged, they're strengthened. Relationships are formed, broken relationships are renewed. Marriages that are shattered come back together. The renewal of all things. Many of you this morning, you're starting this year broken. If we're honest, we're probably all starting this year broken. And the great news is that we serve a God who is able to do exceedingly more than we can ever ask or dream or even imagine. Because that is our God. That's my God. Maybe you got a little God. I got a really big God. And again, I want you to see how majestic He is. If His presence were to to manifest here, we would just fall to our knees. Holiness is displayed by God's power. There is, there is just no one else like our God. He is holy. He is set apart. He is without equal. He is supreme. He is free from sin and he's master of all. The seraphim, they declared it. And the, the Bible tells it over and over again. In fact, the last book of the Bible says this. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. There they are again and was covered with eyes all around. How's that for a sight? I mean, six wings is pretty wild to begin with, but then eyes all over? Not just eyes in the back of your head like your mom. Remember that? How did she know that? She's got eyes on the back of her head. But all around, these creatures were, were covered with eyes, and even under their wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Say that with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They say this day and night, night and day. They just praise and they worship God. It's nonstop because he's that good. He's that powerful. He is that awesome. I mean, this is God stuff. We can't fully comprehend it. It'll require our resurrected bodies to even be able to contain it visually. This is our God. And I want you to have a bigger vision, a bigger picture of who God is. 
Holiness is displayed by God's personification. God is a person. He is a person. It was mentioned earlier about his force, and he he has so much power. God is a force, but he is a person, a personable force. Three persons. One God, three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Isaiah doesn't describe God as as, as a vapor. He mentions God is seated on a throne, dressed in a robe. He is above all, high and lifted up. And then holiness is displayed in God's praise. Only God is worthy of continuous praise and worship and adoration, which the seraphim give him. But as we sang earlier in that song, if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out, the mountains will cry out. I don't want any rock taking away my worship. I don't want any mountain doing what I'm supposed to be doing, giving God adoration and praise and glory. This text, it's it's truly awe-inspiring. And there's more to the story. But as the the team comes up, we're going to just pause for a moment and sing this, this magnificent song. It's one of the greatest hymns I believe, that's ever been written. And it simply declares that our God is holy, 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who was and is and is to come. Would you stand and let's sing together. Yeah. 
seated. That is our God. Holy, holy, holy. He is set apart. He is different. He is worthy of our praise. There is none like our God. Isaiah. He has this incredible encounter with the Almighty. It engaged all of his senses except for possibly the sense of taste. I don't know if, he, if there was any, anything he could taste in that moment. But all of his senses were just maxed out. He saw, he felt, he smelled, and he heard God and his glory leading him to say, Woe to me! I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When you're in the presence of greatness, it's humbling. When you're in the presence of of something so far beyond you, you almost freeze. Some of you have been to the Grand Canyon. I'm I'm still waiting to take a trip there someday. I've, I've flown around it. But I'm told that no picture can do the Grand Canyon justice. To just stand there and look out in the majesty and to think, this is just something God just kind of spoke. I mean, imagine how spectacular God is. We watch the sunsets, and especially this time of year, some of the sunrises and sunsets are just so colorful. The sky's filled like a, like, like a painting. And God just sort of tossed that out. Like, here's a little sample of something I can do. But to be in the presence of something truly great, it's humbling. When I was a, a young boy, my dad took me to a Pistons game, a Detroit Pistons game, and, and after the game, they had this, uh, it was like church night at, at, at the, the basketball arena. And so they had a number of the players would, would speak afterward, and, and they told their story of how they were followers of Jesus and such. And I was really excited, one, because I like basketball, and I like the Pistons, and so I, I was excited about the game. But then I wanted to hear these stories of these athletes. And at the time, I don't know, I was maybe 10 or 12 years old. And we're seated in this, you know, pretty large area in the basketball arena. And I happened to notice that, that one of the players who was going to speak, his name was Kent Benson, he was six foot ten, short guy. And I noticed that he was just a few rows away, and there was nobody sitting next to him. And I said, Dad. Can I go, can I go sit, can I just, I'll, I'll be right, like, you can see me, I'm just a couple, can, can I go sit up there? And he's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And so, I got on my seat, and it was, the whole thing was just getting started, but I thought, this is, this is my opportunity. And so, so I went, and I sat next to this NBA star. And so we're just sitting side by side, and I don't even know if he acknowledged me, I don't even know if he could see me, he was so high up. Uh, but I still remember to start this event, to start this after the game uh, presentation, they had everyone stand up and, and sing the national anthem. And so I stood up, my little 10, 12-year-old self, 
And I look, and I looked up, and up, and up, and up. I could not believe how tall this guy was. I still couldn't see, see the top of him. And I, I felt this big. Well, I was this big in comparison. But to be in the presence of this, this super tall, world-class athlete as a little kid was so humbling. It was awe-inspiring. How much more to be in the presence of Almighty God. The impact that it must have. Humbled to be in the presence of greatness. The greatness of God is infinitely greater than any athlete, than any billionaire, than any movie star. Isaiah recognized not only his physical weaknesses, but his sinfulness in the presence of holy, almighty God. The New Living Translation says this, the the same verse. It says, I said, it's all over. I'm doomed. For I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. That's a, a proper response to God. That's a proper response to our own sin, that when we come in contact with God, we realize that we are sinful and he is not. He is perfect. We are messed up. We are trash. We are sinful. We are small. We are but dust. And every one of us, we've fallen. We make mistakes. Daily, we, we offend God. You and I have no hope before a holy God apart from God's mercy. Verse 6, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Atone is a, it's an uncommon word in modern English, but it means to make amends or to repair, to fix. And at one moment, Our sin was atoned for. At one moment on the cross about 2,000 years ago, when Jesus died, he said it is finished. It is paid in full. All of your sins, past, present, and future, can be forgiven, can be washed white as snow. Isaiah recognized that he he was messed up. He was in trouble. He was broken. He was sinful. And family, we are all in that same spot today. Yet, despite our sins, God offers a way. God offers forgiveness. And it truly doesn't matter what you've done. Some of you have done some pretty nasty things in the world's eyes. We've all done nasty things in God's eyes. But Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. Jesus paid it all. Jesus made forgiveness possible for all of us. You might say he, he bridged the, the canyon, that grand canyon. Imagine God on one side, holy, perfect God on one side, and us on the other side, and all of our, our failures and problems and sins and, and junk. This huge canyon. And it's like Jesus just steps in and builds this bridge and says, if you trust me, I'm going to restore that relationship with God. I'm going I'm to forgive your sins. I'm going to make you right with your Father. No matter what you did in 2020, or even in these first days of 2021, God offers forgiveness. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful 
and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Make no mistake, someday we're all going to stand before holy God and we're going to have to give an account for our lives. But followers of Jesus, well, we've got a friend in high places, you might say. Followers of Jesus will not stand alone. We stand with Christ, forgiven. And we celebrate that death, that resurrection, forgiveness today through communion. And if you have your communion elements, we're going we're gonna to pause to just remember, as Jesus taught us, to remember the sacrifice that he made, to remember that his body was beaten, thorns thrust upon him in a crown. His face must have been bleeding so badly he couldn't even see beyond all the blood. Nails in his wrists, his feet. Between his body and his blood, which we remember through the bread and the cup, the sacrifice that Jesus made, that almighty God in his holiness and perfection, looking down at us, woeful wretches, sinners. And his love was so great that he looked down on our, on our planet. He looked down on earth. He said, son, why don't you go as a baby, grow up, and die for them? Not because they're good people, but actually because they're really bad people. And I can't even be close to them unless you go and atone for their sins, repair the brokenness, unless you go and forgive their sins so that I can call them home. There are two little portions to these if you haven't figured that out yet. And if you grab the top portion, the wafer. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And don't forget it. Don't forget it. Remember. You're going to get busy. Life's going to get crazy. The enemy's going to whisper in your ear, you are worth nothing. Shame on you. Remember, I paid it. I died for you. I proved my love for you. Jesus, we thank you for your body broken for us. And we eat in remembrance of you. Let's eat together. And then he took the cup. He said, this is my, my blood which is going to be poured out for you. The disciples were still kind of clueless in the upper room moments before Jesus' death. But blood is the, the liquid of life. He said, I want you to remember even taking the Passover lamb, Passover ceremony, and breathing new life, new meaning into all the elements. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to, to participate in and drink. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your blood. We love you because you first loved us. In your name we pray. Amen.
awesome, holy God. He offers forgiveness. And this is something that we, family, we can never forget. And actually, we need to share it. We need to let other people know it's available. You know, I think an awful lot of people in our city, they, they know about Jesus. They've, they've heard about him. Maybe they say that they are religious in some way, but so many haven't experienced the true forgiveness, the, the true cleansing that comes from being a follower of Jesus. And so God offers forgiveness, and we respond with worship. He's done so much to us. Our response is worship. We've done that a bit already today. Isaiah said, whom shall I send? Excuse me. Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. Send me. Use me. Receive my worship. Receive my praise. Use my hands, my, my heart, my head, my feet. We often reduce worship to singing a few songs. But worship is declaring that God is worthy, not just for an hour on Sunday, but 24-7, 365, with our time, our talent, our treasures. We talked a couple weeks ago about, about every room in our lives being open and available for God to work. That everything we have belongs to God. Not just 10% of your money, not just an hour on Sunday, everything you have, it belongs to God. And if we've truly experienced forgiveness, if we truly know Jesus, if we truly have a picture of who God is, it's the most natural thing in the world for us to just throw ourselves all in. Here am I, Lord. Here am I. Here's all my money, all my time, all my talents, all my, all my dreams and desires and hopes. It's all yours. Isaiah had a truly awesome encounter with the holy God, and it brought him to his knees, and it led him to offer up his whole life. And I just, I wonder, have you encountered the holiness of God? If so, if you've truly encountered God, the only natural response is worship. To fall to your knees, to offer your whole selves to God. If we truly realize the extent of God's holiness and power and grace, we can't help but declare, I surrender all. Here am I. Send me. And I, I can't think of a better way to end today than, than to, to sing this wonderful hymn, I Surrender All. To, to make our New Year's resolution simply that we are God's. Here am I, send me. We often think about those words like send me to Africa to be a missionary or send me to, uh, to Honduras or send me to South America or send me to some far off place. Maybe God's calling you to do that. God has called men and women from this church to, to take the good news, the gospel, to the whole world. Maybe he just wants you to take it across the street. But whatever he's calling you to do, Let's make this a statement. Let's make this a theme song for 2021 together as family. That we're going to give it all. We're going to surrender it all. Jesus held nothing back. He gave his very life. I think the least we can do is respond in kind. I know these are easy words to sing. They're really difficult to put into practice. But I challenge you, and I'm challenging myself, 
Let's take one more step this year in surrender, in saying, here I am, Lord, send me. Would you stand? today. I'd like it to be our prayer, not only this day, but throughout the year, that we would surrender. And I'll make you this promise. Surrendering to Christ isn't going to make your life necessarily easier. But you're going to experience His peace, His presence, His power, His joy, like never before he's got your back he loves you you can trust him I'm going to ask that as we leave this place some of you might want to just spend a little time uh, maybe praying maybe surrendering and uh, we're going to keep this as sacred space quiet space so if you'd like you can sit you can kneel you can you can pray whatever we're not going to rush you out of here. The rest of you, if you're ready to go, I'm going to dismiss you in just a second. 
please exit. Save this space for quiet space today. Talk in the lobby, talk outside. It looks like it's not even raining. But I, I want you, family, I, I want us to think this, this, this day and this year, what does it mean to fully surrender? Because I think if we, if we can get to that point this year, this will be the greatest year that we've ever experienced. So now may God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he great, be gracious to you and give you amazing peace. Amen. God bless you. Shalom.